the opportunity to minister the Word of God. We were talking in Sunday school this morning about how important it is we stay close to the Word of God. Stay close. You ought to be studying the Word of God more today than you've ever done in your life. So many things are happening. So the world is in such a place. And I tell you what, if I didn't have the Word of God, I wouldn't know what was going on. I'd be going, I, I, I don't know who you could trust, who you could, who you could uh, uh, take their word about what's happening, but I'm glad we've got God's Word. So we don't have to walk in darkness. We know that God is working and moving, and all of the things that we see happening are a result of what God is doing. I've learned something else, and I'll share this with you. God is always the actor, not the reactor. God is always working first. Everything you see around you is a reaction to what God is doing. He is the prime mover. He is the one about whom everything and, and those who are responding to what God is doing and those who are trying to uh, resist what God is doing. That is what's happened. That's what's the source of all that's going on in the world today is one of those two things. And uh, I want to talk to you this morning out of the Gospel of Luke. We're going to begin reading at verse 11 down through verse 17, and then we're going to skip down uh, to later in the chapter, verse 67. Luke chapter 1, verse 11 says, Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. If you would turn with me to verse 67 of chapter 1, it says, Now his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us and the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, who have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers, and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. 
and you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest. For you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins through the tender mercy of our God, with which the day spring from on high has visited us to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. May the blessing of God rest upon the reading of his word. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, I thank you so much for this opportunity to come together and hear the word of the Lord. So many voices are speaking to this generation, but there is one voice that we seek above all others. Lord, give us ears to hear that voice this morning. Let the anointing contained in this word flow freely and clearly through the one who speaks today. For you know all of his limitations. That each one who hears receives by faith today. Let the word take root. Let it bear fruit. This we ask in Jesus' name. And all agree and say amen. If we were to flip over one more chapter, we'd look at chapter 3, and we'd read of the beginning of the ministry of John the Baptist, that he came saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. I don't know if you caught the repetition of that phrase in those readings this morning, but today I want to talk to you about preparing the way for what God wants to do. When I say that God is up to something, when I say that the Lord is ready to work and to move, one of the signs of the Lord being ready to to initiate a new thing is that he begins to raise up people to prepare the way. God does not just drop into time and space randomly. He does not just, uh, just appear one day without giving some hint. The Bible says in another place that the Lord does nothing without first telling his prophets, without first indicating. God is always one who goes before, sends people before to get the church or to get the world ready for what God wants to do. And church, it is my desire today that we be a people prepared for what God wants to do in our lives. We'd be a people prepared for what God wants to do in this church. Now, I don't know about you. I, I'm not really good at preparation. I'm one of those people that, uh, you know, I, I, I like to, like I said, I like to come home and find dinner ready. I'm not one of these who's going to take the meat out and lay it in the marinade and let it sit for two or three. That's not me because I don't have that kind of patience. When I'm hungry, I want to eat, Right. Uh, I, I don't want to wait an hour or two hours. I, 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 I'm not good at that, you know. Uh, I come home and the wife says, well, I'm just getting ready to make dinner. And I says, well, okay. Uh, I go grab a bag of chips. You know, I, I grab a cookie because, it's you know, I'm not good at this waiting business. But we need a time of preparation. Because to do something right, you better prepare it correctly. You need to have a plan. You need to look ahead. And, and, and you know, that's okay. I, I understand that point. But what I, I really want us to understand this morning 
is to learn to recognize the signs of God preparing us for the next thing that he wants to do. And I use the story of John the Baptist because it is the ultimate story. When God was ready to move. Now we know certainly that the Bible tells us in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. We know that God had a time and place that he was ready to send Jesus Christ into this world. And I'm grateful for that. But he didn't send them into the world cold. He took time to prepare the way before Jesus to come. And he did it through the ministry of John. And and I'm convinced, church, today, and if I can say it this way, I'm praying, I am praying daily for God to raise up a generation of Johns, a generation of John the Baptist, to turn this world. This world has gotten so far from, from God, and uh, even, even his people, even the church is, is really struggling right now to hold on to, to its, its, its core values and its core principles. And, and, and I sense a great drift. I sense a great, uh, and the Bible says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? If we drift away from the, the foundation, if we, if, we, if we get off the foundation, what will happen? What will become? We've seen the evidence of that. It's happened to other churches. It's happened to other times. It's happened to Israel. But before God can bring the church back or bring his people back to where he wants them to be, before God can do a new thing and take his people to the next level or the next place that he has for them, the way must be prepared. And that takes a John the Baptist. That takes someone who is willing to do the hard work, who's willing to preach the unpopular message, who's willing to stand up and speak truth to the authorities and the powers of this world, who is willing to live as one in the wilderness. I'm going to use an example from the sports world because, you know, that's kind of where I live, right? We, February is the celebration of Black History Month, and, and, and I've read a lot of stories, and and I, I, I'm, I'm particularly partial to the story of Jackie Robinson. I don't know how many of you know the name Jackie Robinson. If you're not a baseball fan, that name might not mean very much to you. But Jackie Robinson was the first African-American player to play in Major League Baseball. Now, if you were to turn on your TV today and watch a basketball game, a baseball game, a, a, a football game, uh, we, we see that the opportunities in the sporting world are, 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 are there for people of all colors, of all backgrounds. But it wasn't always that way. At one time, the professional sports leagues were exclusively and prejudicially white. And yet, some of the best players and some of the best athletes were not white. And so it took someone like a Jackie Robinson who was willing to endure all manner of hate and all manner of, of violence and all manner of threat and, and to be called in the names and to, be, and, to, and to go through the experience to prepare the way. And every player of, uh, of color today can look back and see that because of what Jackie Robinson did, the opportunity is there now for 
for them to play the game and make the 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 the, the, the profit of, of of their athletic ability and and in his way Jackie Robinson was a type of John the Baptist one who was willing to do the the dirty job willing to endure the things that came to it because he knew he was laying a foundation for those who would come after him that his work though he would John the Baptist I'm speaking of, though he would lose his head, though he would spend time in prison, though he would be called an enemy of the people, he was the one that God used to prepare the opportunity for the Messiah to come. And so when we talk about preparation and being a people that prepare the way, it's not always pleasant. It's not always going to be a bed of roses. It's not always going to be easy. When we are called, if God is going to do something in this world, if revival is going to come to this world, there's got to be a people who are willing to lay down their lives and lay down their, 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 their ambitions and lay down their desires to prepare the opportunity for others to come. When it speaks of John the Baptist, it says his, his prophetic ministry was to turn the hearts of the people back to their God. That says three things to us. Number one, it says the hearts of the people had turned away from their God. Let that sink in for a moment. When you think of the incredible history, the incredible privilege, the incredible blessing, all that God has done for his people, you may ask yourself, how could it be that my heart or the heart of the people would turn against God? But this thing does not happen overnight. Jesus would speak about it later in a parable. He would talk about the distractions and the deceits and the, and the various things that would come into a person's life that would choke out the Word of God and make them unfruitful in the things of God. And eventually their heart would grow hard towards God. And I'm here today to tell you that I know a lot of people, a lot of people raised in church, a lot of people that have had experience with God whose hearts have grown hard and cold toward the Lord. I was speaking with some people, just uh, a person, just a few days ago. They, they, I, I was just sharing with them, uh, and it, it was a work situation. So I was just kind of talking with them about some things, and and they came to me about some things in their life, and and I asked them. I says, "Well, you know, do, do you know the Lord?" And they said, "Well, yes." I said, "I used to go to church all the time." And I said, "Well, what does that mean? You used to go to church all the time?" Well. You know, I, I, I mean, I was brought up to go to church, but, you know, and I said, well, what happened? And they, they, they just kind of, they said, you know, I don't really know what happened. I just kind of, I got busy with this and I got busy with that and I got in this relationship and, and this happened and it's just, it just kind of stopped being a thing for me. And, and I says, well, listen, you know, I, I think I see the problem here. You know, when your heart goes cold toward the Lord, when you turn away from God, you invite a lot of things into your life. And you put yourself in a situation. But John was called to turn the people's heart back to the Lord. So we understand that the people's heart gets away from God. Somebody's got to be the one to go to them and say, turn around before it's too late. Turn around, turn around. And, he, and, and it goes through a list of things up here, of, of the hearts of the fathers back toward their children and the, and the, the disobedient toward the, the wisdom and the word of the just. And he talks about putting them uh, in, in a position to be ready for what God is going to do in their lives. Now, I don't know anything more difficult or more hard, or harder to do these days 
than to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the children back to the parents. There seems to be a generational burden that has come, a generational divide that has come into God's house. But I believe God is calling all of His children back. Can somebody agree with me on that in the Lord? That God is calling all of His children back to the house of God, calling all of His children back to the family of God. All of the sister mentioned the prodigal this morning. I, I believe that I, I hold on to that promise personally in my own family, and I hold on to that promise for God's church. That the hearts of the children are going to turn back toward the Father. That they're going to remember who they are. They're going to remember where they came from. They're going to remember what the promises and the prophecies that were spoken over their life were all about. They're going to remember the faith of their childhood. And they're going to rediscover its importance and its impact in their life today. Somebody say amen to that. It takes a John the Baptist type ministry. It takes someone who is willing to do the the unpleasant and difficult work of of going to those who've turned away from God and saying, it's time to come home. It's time to get right with God again. God wants to move forward. He wants to do something new, something fresh, something mighty, something powerful. But to do that, the way has to be prepared. If we're going to see a revival in this generation, if we're going to see a return of the backslider, if we're going to see a reconnecting of those who drifted away from God, somebody's got to stand up and stand in the gap and be the bridge that says, make straight the path of the Lord. It takes a John and a Joan and a June. Amen. It takes a Jerry and a Jason and a Jack, and a Jill. It takes people to be willing to say, I will be the one whom the Spirit of God can use to bring those who have drifted and those who have wandered and those who have become distracted and those who have become deceived. Now, this is a hard task because when people's hearts grow cold, they they become resentful. They become difficult to talk to about the things of the Lord. This is why he says, I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. I'm the voice of one that is rejected. I'm the voice of one that that has been told, your message is no longer relevant. How many people today believe that the message of hope in Jesus Christ is no longer relevant to the world we live in? You must be living under a rock. I would ask you now, what other hope could you hope to have? You see how out of control this world is? You see all that's going on? What else is there to hope in except Jesus Christ? I told you last week, he's the only answer. He's the only hope for this world. There is nothing else. There is no Supreme Court that can fix this. There is no political party that can fix this. There is no economic expansion that can fix this. There is no war or rumor of war that can fix this. If all is not to be lost, somebody must begin the call to the people to come back to Jesus Christ. To prepare the way for the Lord to come and do a new thing among his people is a willingness to be separate from the crowd. I didn't read the passage here, but it says John was in the wilderness until the day of his presentation to Israel. In other words, he walked a different path. 
We are never going to be able to prepare the way of the Lord by walking along the world's path. We say that again. We are never going to be able to prepare the way of the Lord. The Bible says, or, or, or the testimony is, John was preaching, make straight, make a path for the Lord in the wilderness. Level it out and make a way. You can wander around this world and among the things of this world, and I've seen them all. I've, I've pursued business. I've, I've pursued uh, uh, wisdom and, knowledge, and the wisdom and knowledge of this world. And, and some of that has value. Some of that has, has, has some worth in the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the natural sense. But none of it takes me anywhere close to the truth of Jesus Christ. Following the world's path and following the world's ways only walks you in circles. I'm reminded, I remember as a child, uh, I used to love, you know, in, in my Bible, it had those, those beautiful maps. Anybody have those Bibles with the maps in the back? Now, I, I like these. And there's one, and there's one that, that in the Bible that I had as a child that detailed the journeys of the children of Israel in the wilderness. I don't know if you ever saw that map or you have it, but look at it one time. Forty years, these people walked around in circles. I mean, you just follow the little footsteps. They would go up here, they'd go over here, they'd come down here, they'd go back here where they started. Just wandering in circles for 40 years. That used to amaze me. It used to amaze me, but that's what the church is doing today. We're just wandering around in circles. We're not following a straight path. Oh, help me, Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We just keep recycling the same failed compromises, the same failed ideas. Each generation comes and goes trying to, to, to avoid the mistakes of the generation before, but always repeating the same pattern. It's time to make a straight path. It's time to get off of the treadmill and begin to make a way for God to move again in this generation. Somebody say amen to that. You want God to move in this generation? You want God to touch your children and your grandchildren? You want God to call people off? You can't just keep following the same old path. You can't just keep wandering about in a circle. Eventually, you got to cross over. Eventually, God's got to take you to the place where you have the faith to step into the water and say, okay, God, here we go. Here we go. I mentioned earlier that my wife and I, when we take vacations, we spend a great deal of it driving around. But my wife will also tell you that I very rarely take the same road twice. She says, well, why don't we go this way? I said, we went that way yesterday. I already seen what's down that road. I want to go see what's over here. I want to go see what's over there. She says, do you know where you're going? I says, every road goes somewhere. Amen. Every, uh, every road goes somewhere, right? We may not know where this one ends up, but it's going to end up somewhere. And you go, we're going to see something we never saw before. Amen. That's a good enough reason for me to go down there. But I tell you what, if you want to see something different happen in your family, you've got to take a different road. Come on. We've tried this compromise business. We've tried this just love them and, and let them make their own mistake business. 
We've tried this, uh, you know, just uh, Easter and Christmas time business. And it's not getting us where we want to go. It takes something radical. I'm not telling you you have to eat locusts and honey or wear camel's hair garments. I wouldn't even know where to go. Where does one buy locusts? I, the only place I can think of, we'd have to go to a bait store, wouldn't we? Can't you, can't you get grasshoppers at a bait store? Do we still, does anybody still fish? Does anybody know anything about fishing? All right, I remember when I was a kid, you could go to the, if you wanted to go fishing, you could go down to the, the, the bait shop and they'd have those grasshoppers and, and you could, you could get those. And I don't know how they taste. I never tried one. I don't know. Maybe they're good. Maybe a little fried grasshopper dipped in honey. Maybe that's a, maybe that's a delicacy. I don't know. But I'm not telling you I have to go that way. But I am telling you, you have to be willing to walk apart. You have to be willing to walk uncontaminated and uncompromised. In John's case, it meant living in the wilderness and eating stuff that Bear Grylls wouldn't eat. But in our lifetime, it may mean just separating from the pack. The pressure on us, and let me say it a different way. If we're going to prepare the way of the Lord, we've got to prepare the way the Lord wants to go. In other words, if we're walking a path and the Lord says, I can't go that way, then we're not preparing the way of God. God's not going to do it through this, some of these things that we're doing today. And I'm not saying that everything the church does today is wrong. That, don't get me wrong. God is alive and well in this church. God is working through his church, but we've made some false starts. We've gotten off the path on some things. And if we want to see the Lord really do a new thing, we have got to blaze a straight trail. And let me say this third thing, and then I'll close. And I want to focus. I know sometimes we get we get uh, we get a little caught up and a little confused in the things that are going on in the world today. And we wonder what this is about and what that is about. And I said it before, and I'll say it again. Everything that we see happening in the world today is a reaction against what God is doing. In other words, God pushes and the world pulls back. God pulls and the world pushes back. Everything that is happening in the world today is an attempt to move against what the Spirit of God is trying to do among His people among his church. And I think we have to admit sometimes that some of the things that God, that, that is happening around us are because we have been called and chosen by God. This is not an easy path. I know we'd always, given a choice, we'd always choose popularity and prosperity. Given a choice, we'd rather have more friends than less friends. Given a choice, we'd rather be liked than disliked. I'm no different. I, 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 don't, I don't like it when people don't like me. Uh, one of the people that works for me, she, she came up to me. She says, you know what? I just don't like you. I'm like, what are you talking about? Everybody likes me. I'm the easiest person to love in the world. I'm, I'm completely lovable. Why don't you like me? Now, she was joking. She was, she, she, she said, you made me do this. I didn't want to do it. I said, well, you know, I didn't make you do it. I just told you that's what had to be done. You know, that's, whether you do it or not, that's up to you. But if you, you want to keep working, you better do it, right? 
Yeah, but sometimes if we're going to prepare the world for what God wants to do, we have got to risk the possibility that people aren't going to like us. We're going to have to risk the possibility that we may lose a friend or two. That our follows and our likes on Facebook might not be uh, as many as uh, we, we were hoping for. And that some of the people in our life might decide they'd rather not have us in our lives. It takes something dramatic to get people's attention sometimes. And sometimes you just have to put it out there and put it plainly. This is the way of God. There is no other path here. There is no other way forward here. I, I, I was, again, going, uh, going back and forth with somebody about something, and, and they said, well, I just can't do it that way. And I said, if you can't do it that way, there is no other way. There's no way forward. I said, what does that mean? I said, it means we're done. There's no way forward from here. This is as far as we can go together. Well, that's a tough moment. That's a tough moment. We want to believe, oh, no, we just compromise, little compromise. But I tell you what, you start compromising, you end up on the wrong path. If God is calling us now to a John the Baptist-type impact in our world, if we are being called to prepare the way of God into the hearts and minds of his people, if we are being called to lead the world into a, a, a place where they can finally be open and receptive to the gospel of Jesus Christ, we're going to have to be willing to risk everything. We're going to have to be willing to do what needs to be done. Not just by our words, but by our actions. Zachariah's prophecy and his promise is that this John the Baptist would be called to a life of separation, filled with the Spirit, separated, uncompromised by wine or strong drink, living a life of holiness and righteousness before God, one who would go before the face of all the people to show them the way of God. Your life is going to have to become a living testimony. He not only prepared them by his words, but he prepared them by the way he conducted his life so that they could see that what God was getting ready to do was going to be a radical departure from the norm. We hate that. Our prayer is often, Lord, we want you to move, but we don't want to be inconvenienced when you do. Right? Lord, we want you to answer our prayers. And this, remember, this whole thing started with a prayer. You prayer warriors take note of that. What's the first thing the angel said to Zacharias in the temple? Your prayer has been heard. How many of you have been praying for God to do something in your family's life? How many of you have been praying for God to do something among your friends and your co-workers and your neighbors? How many of you have been praying for God to do something in the church? You think God's listening? You think God's hearing those prayers? So when the time comes and God says, sends an angel to say, your prayer has been answered, your prayer has been heard, by the way, I know it's only a few verses in your Bible, but the time span between chapter 1 and chapter 3 is 30 years. How many of you have been praying for 30 years to see the fulfillment 
of God's promise to you about your children, your grandchildren. I may have been praying for 20 years, 40 years, 50 years. But yet there comes that moment where God says, I've heard your prayer. And I'm raising up someone to bring this prayer to its fruition and its fulfillment. Oh, somebody give God thanks for answered prayers. For hearing and answering the cry of his people. But when the answer comes, how many of us miss the answer because we did not wish to be inconvenienced? God, answer my prayer, but, uh, but don't really upset my apple cart too much. Don't really disrupt my life. Don't really God, answer the prayer, but do it, but do it conveniently. Do it, you know, do it quietly. Do it so that everything, everybody's happy all the time. I don't know in my life, I, I think about my children all the time, and I say, God, you know, I ask myself, what am I willing to risk? What am I willing to do to see my prayers answered? I think about the church. I think about all these who sat in these pews over the years, who've wandered away, who've drifted away, who've gotten lost in the woods of the world. What am I willing to do? How far am I willing to go? What am I willing to put on the line to see the way prepared? Now notice, this is all about just laying a way of preparation. This is about the setup. We haven't even got to the move of God. We'll get to that in Luke eventually, but this is all about just opening the door, opening the window, making it possible, creating a climate and an environment where God can do the thing that he has promised to do. This takes an unbelievable amount of faith and sacrifice to make the path ready for people to follow, to be a trailblazer. Those who go first, those who make the way, are often remembered post-death, after their life, as heroes, but not one of them during their life, during the battle, during the time that they were blazing the trail, was ever called a hero. They were called a lot of other things. How many of you are willing to be the hero of your family? Who's willing to be the hero of the church? Who's willing to take the stand now? That a generation from now, people will look back and say, because of them, because they were willing to give up everything, because they were willing to sacrifice anything, we're here today. They prepared the way. I have no doubt in my mind, God is looking for people right now in this church, in every church, who will prepare a way for him to come and do what he has promised to do. I won't take time now to go into those promises, but you read them, to deliver the people, to bring salvation, to bring hope, to bring peace. What would we give right now? What would the world give right now for peace? What would they give? We must prepare the way. What would they give today to be delivered from the hands of their enemies? Even if it's just a, 
coronavirus enemy. We must prepare the way. Where are they going to go? What politician has the answer? What doctor, what scientist has the answer for the world's problems today? No. What judge, what justice, what counsel, what assembly has the answer? None. Where is the answer? The answer is right here. We have the answer. And yet the world remains ignorant of it. The world rejects it. The world doesn't even even know where it exists because we're not preparing the way. So my prayer for us today, church, is that God will give each of us that same spirit that he put in John the Baptist. A willingness to do whatever it takes Make whatever sacrifice necessary so that the way is prepared for the Lord to come and save his people. Would you stand with me this morning? This has been a production of the Lighthouse Church of God. Thank you for listening. We hope you have been blessed. You are welcome to join us for service every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and on Wednesdays at 745 p.m. For more information or to support our ministry, visit our website at www.lhcogfl.org. Or if you're in the Broward County area, we would love for you to visit our church located at 1890 Southwest 31st Avenue, Fort Lauderdale, Florida 33312. God bless you. Until next time, this is the Lighthouse Church of God, lighting the way through the storms of life.